Hello and welcome to another episode of Paddock Pass Podcast. My name is David Emmett for MotoMatters.com and with me is... Neil Morrison of uh, Rubber Racing World and Crash.net. And Tony Goldsmith from Asphalt and Rubber and Bike Sport News. Right, well, here we are, Silverstone, uh, a pub quite nearby. Um, a lot to talk about, mostly in terms of rider signings. It's been a busy couple of weeks for uh, uh, for various managers and stuff with uh, uh, all sorts of contracts signed. Uh, Cal is back with, uh, Cal Crutchlow is back with LCR for two more, week, uh, two more years. Um, Bradley Smith is on another year with uh, Tech 3. It looks like Scott Redding could be signed up for uh, for Pramac Ducati, but that's really not certain yet. Still waiting on Sam Lowe's. Um, wondering about what's going to happen with Danny Kent. So, um, first of all, Bradley Smith. What do you know about Bradley? Um, well, it seems that it, it was kind of... Uh Something that had been in the works for quite a long time, although Bradley was seemed to me that he was uh, making sure he had the the right regulations in the contract, everything that he wanted um, in there, in terms of uh, how competitive he could be, um, in terms of equipment that he would receive, um, and yeah, I think it's a it's a no brainer really from uh, from. In the Tech 3 squad. Exactly. I mean, we were speaking to him today and he was saying that the most important thing for him was parity, was having the same equipment as his teammate. I mean, you're always going to be a couple of steps behind the factory, uh, 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 the factory team as a satellite rider. You understand that, but you want to be on the same bike as your teammate so, uh, so you can beat him. Yeah. That's, that's the most important thing. Yeah. Um, have you, I mean, have you, Tony, you've been taking pictures. Can you can you see the differences between the two, uh, between Paul and Bradley out on track? Can you see the difference in the bike? Uh, absolutely. You can see Paul obviously has a completely different style to Bradley. Uh, he's probably more of a Mark Marquez style, born from uh, Moto2, hanging off elbow on the ground. And, and Bradley still has that kind of style, has a hanging off style, but... He, we we all know he he's not a, he's not a leg dangler. He's uh, more traditional, more traditional style, and seems much smoother on the bike. More more a bit uh, of a Lorenzo, yeah, in the way he rides a motorcycle, as opposed to Paul, who I think if he could would ride it as aggressively as possible. Yeah, well, this is this is the thing. The thing that Paul has said several times is just he wishes that he could that he could you know every time he tries to push harder he goes slower. Um, and uh, it, that just doesn't work with the just doesn't work with, with the with the Yamaha. He has to be smooth. He has to be. Uh, I, I mean, he, we spoke to Michael Bartolomei a few races. I think in Saxon Ring when he mentioned that he'd been desperate to uh, that Paul had been trying had been talking to him trying to get a hold of a Honda um, because he thinks that cure his his, his issues. Yeah. I don't think it would. I think you've got to ride a Honda just as smoothly as a Yamaha. It just yeah. doesn't look that way. Yeah. I think it was quite telling in Indianapolis that uh, Paul was willing to come out and say, speak of his feeling with the Mitchell and Tyres that he had had in a previous test in Sepang. And you were kind of thinking that this was one race into the second half of the season and already he's looking towards 2016. Um, you know, it, it seems that he's finding it very difficult to get his head around the fact that uh, that Bradley has been superior, frankly. Yeah. Um, pretty much every weekend bar two, I think I'm right in saying. Um, yeah, every, I think so. Yeah, every race bar two this year. Um yeah, so yeah, so I, I would kind of be, but so you can kind of see exactly why Bradley wanted that kind of parity uh, in his contract. Um, the, I mean, obviously, as you were saying, 
the uh, Brad has beaten Paul sort of basically all year long. Mm. There's been a real change in in Brad's attitude. He said so himself that you know he uh, um, uh, he stopped shouting in the garage. He's sitting down. He's taking a breath. He's talking, and there's a real shift of power almost in that garage. Yeah, exactly. Um, I spoke to Herbie about this in Jerez, and he said that if you had asked him after Argentina, he would have said that, yes, Brad was a completely calmer character, but actually uh, Jerez, I think, was a bit of a difficult weekend for Brad, and kind of the old... Uh, the old of, Brad the, came the, back. Yeah, the evil Brad. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, the kind of, uh, yeah, the, the Dr. Jekyll, Mr. Hyde character of Brad came back, where he was, you know, toys were maybe a bit more out of the pram. Um, but, but since then, I think um, one thing that Hervé said that was quite interesting was, you know, he had had a bad practice, a bad qualifying. Still, come the race, he brought it home. I think he finished eighth in Hereth. And he said, definitely last year, Brad would have crashed, would have threw it down the road. Mm. And there's been that kind of maturity there with, with a lot of Brad's riding this year, um, where he's shown very impressive speed to be the top satellite rider in a lot of races, but yep. also to, to recognize when a round is not going his way. Um, bring it home, get some points, and think of the long term. And you know, when you speak to him, that's you always kind of get that impression. He's yeah. thinking about the championship. And, and Paul has been exactly the opposite this year. He's yeah. been, Paul has been uh, angry, frustrated, impetuous. Every time you speak to him, yeah. he's just frustrated, frustrated, frustrated. And he's been having the the the, the, the pit box tantrums, if you like. He's been having the um, uh, um, he, he's been having the you know the, the arguments. It's been very much um, more like the balance of power shifted. It's been uh, the, the team has been around Brad and Paul. Uh, you know, it's almost as if Paul has been dumped on the team uh, by by Yamaha. Yeah. And if they could, uh, you know, they've got him there because he's on a Yamaha, a Yamaha contract. But uh, yeah. uh, it's a shame. Obviously, Paul has got a lot of co- uh, a lot of um, a lot of talent, but it's just not coming out. Yeah, from what I'd seen of Paul last year, I was expecting him to be maybe not standing on the podium regularly, but certainly challenging the podiums yep. occasionally throughout this year. It hasn't come. Um, and yeah, there's been a few occasions where, where you've seen Paul this year and he, he just genuinely seems like he doesn't know what, what, what's wrong, which direction to take. Yeah, exactly. He just looks lost. Yeah, just looks lost. Yeah, he lost just looks exactly. Lost. So we've spoken about Bradley. David, um, tell us what you know about Cal Crutzer's new deal. Uh, well, Cal has got a two... Uh, he, he, Back with LCR, um, a two-year deal, um, well, one year with an option, but I think the option is on his side. Uh, that's very much the impression that I get. Um, the it, It's been in the works for a long time. He mentioned it to me, I think, at Barcelona, that he was very close to a deal. It's been more about uh, where, where was he going to end up. There was talk that he might have gone to Mark VDS. There was talk that he, uh, uh, well, gone anywhere. Because of the difficult situation with with LCR, no longer CWL, uh, uh, CWM LCR CWN is gone. It's off the um, uh, it's off the hospitality. It's off the leathers. They're running GV colours this uh, this year. They'll also be uh, or well this race. And Cal told me they will be running the Castrol colours at Sepang, which is great because that Excellent. bike looked, that bike looked really fantastic. Yeah, it looked fantastic. Yeah, so the, uh, they'll be running those colours at, at Sepang. That's something to look forward to. So, um, yeah, I mean, I think it's a good move. The the, the main reason is they needed, uh, Honda really needed uh, a, a normal rider on that bike who can be successful. Yeah. Um, you know, who else is on it? Yeah. Uh, the, 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 the fastest five-foot rider in the world and... Um, uh, and Mark Marquez, who who 
can can do what Casey Stoner did, ride around problems, which doesn't help fix the bike. Yeah, exactly. And a rider that has experience with how other bikes work in this, like Honda's main competitors, how yeah. their how their bikes work, how they can kind of um, how they can kind of take this direction forward. Um, and yet, when you look at uh, at the performance of the the satellite riders last year, and even the year before that, I think you know Cal. Okay, the last few runs have been quite difficult for him, but I think on the whole, it's been it's been a positive season for him. Yeah, absolutely. If you look at what uh, I mean, if you look at how Mark struggled in the start yeah. of the uh, uh, start of the year, then I think um, I think he's done pretty well. Right. Uh, well, that's Cal there. Um, um, we said you know he almost went to Mark VDS. Um, that's because Scott is just having a shocking year on. Scott Redding is having a shocking year on the um, uh, on the Honda bike, and it looks like um, that's gone. Yeah, it looks like that. From what we were hearing in Bernal, it was clear that um, the Premac Ducati had offered Danny Kent a three-year deal. Um, since it kind of seems to have emerged that uh, he's rejected that, and Scott now is the man in line to to race. For Pramac next year. Yeah, I mean the 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 the, the hot rumor is that um, uh, that deal is signed and will be. I don't know whether it will be announced here. Maybe it'll be announced there. More likely to be announced uh, at, at Misano, perhaps. But uh, yeah, it's it's great as as fans of British motorcycle racing that we're sitting here in the middle of silly season with the pivot some pivotal moves happening and it's revolving around British riders. Uh, yeah, yes, agreed. The danger is that we are um, getting a very homogenous field. You know, next year there'll be maybe eight, nine Spaniards, uh, five, maybe six uh, either British riders. If Eugene Laverty's back, then that's an Irish rider, uh, uh, Anglophone rider. That's, you know, the majority of the grid already gone, just the two nationalities. Uh, a handful of Spaniards and there's not really an awful lot left but I mean definitely it shows the strength of British motorcycle racing at the moment Absolutely just going back to Scott um, you know um, it's it's been a real shame that the two occasions that, that Honda seems to have he showed up at a track and the, the, the bike has worked from the off I think it was at Austin and at Saxony he's just not been able to convert that into any sort of kind of worthwhile race performance we haven't it would have been great to see Scott in both of those races to see what he would have been doing in and around the top six. And I feel like, you know, it's it's difficult to judge him because in the two situations where he has had a good base, which he can work from, he's crashed in the first lap. And we really haven't seen, you know, what he could do, what it would be like to see him battling with, you know, your kind of your, your yeah, top and three uh, MIs. Definitely. I also think uh, uh, things could have been very different, uh, especially at Austin, because he was taken out by pole, no fault of his own. Um, and it was early in the season, second race. If you have a good a good second race, your season looks a lot different yeah. to uh, being taken out in the second race and then struggling for the rest of it. So, yeah. uh, Although I'm not sure Paul saw it quite like that. No. Paul, Paul might disagree with you somewhat there, David. <laughs> Absolutely. But I think uh, just briefly, like it, it was in Essen, I think, that we spoke to Scott maybe on the Thursday after the, the first day of free practice. And he was kind of talking then about maybe regretting his his uh, you know the, the fact that he rejected a move to Pramac Racing uh, for this season 2015, and I guess you know if you're kind of thinking like that very early into the season um, when you have a factory Honda underneath you, then yeah. it's it's maybe goes some way to showing you know just kind of what what way he's think he's you know he's been thinking. Um, so yeah, it'd be interesting to see what happens. Yeah, yeah, exactly. The uh, uh, it was well. 
Danny Kent was going to get that right. Certainly at Bruno, he seems to be very close to it. Uh, since then, he's told us that um, the deal just wasn't good enough. Also, it was three years, so he would have been tied in for three years. And, and if a factory um, uh, ride came up, it wouldn't be available for him. Sure. Uh, that would have been difficult. Yeah. Um, so now, where, where, with a Danny Kent, where's he going? Yeah, I've been uh, I've been asking myself that question today. I'm not sure. Um, from some quotes that I read, in when he was speaking at the kind of preview event, and, and from what he was saying today after the press conference, you know, it seems that he still has some offers um, in MotoGP uh, for next year. And obviously, there's that that Kiefer Racing offer uh, yeah. to race a Calyx in Moto Two, which would be a fantastic offer in my opinion. Yeah. Um, so it's it's difficult to know. Um, he I also read him mentioning. That next year is, you know, the ideal time to step up. I think you maybe mentioned it in the last podcast, uh, 2016, with the changes that are coming in. It's a good time to start from zero, um, because so many other riders will be, you know, having to adapt to new things. And he seems to think that this is this is the right time to do it. So, yeah, it'll be interesting to see what what, what, what the, the immediate future holds. And what what are your thoughts are on Danny moving up to MotoGP and skipping Moto2? We saw in the press conference today. Um, all the experienced guys were asked about it, and of the guys on on the press conference, three of them were in a strong position to talk about it because they'd all been in that situation themselves. They come through Moto Two. Valentino well, said straight said straight away he went mm, Moto Two for me. Um, Bradley didn't want to talk about it. I mean, what where where do you stand on that? It, I mean, it's interesting because uh, I mean, we spoke to Cal, and Cal said, "If you get a chance, if you get an opportunity to go to MotoGP, you go to MotoGP," uh, which seems fair enough. I think uh, personally, I would agree with that. Yeah, he could go into Moto Two, and it could go disastrously. Yeah, it's, it's, it's ifs and buts and maybe's, isn't it? Yeah, exactly. The, but this is it. The, uh, the, the one thing which Cal said, which I thought was really, really interesting, was that it was re- what was really important. Um, you don't get very many opportunities. Uh, in this career, um, uh, it, it, as a motorcycle racer, when an opportunity comes along, you have to seize it because it's easy to get lost. It's easy to make the wrong decision. That also means you can't afford, which I think is why Danny uh, um, rejected the the, the Pramac offer. Um, it, it, the whole package. It's about you know being in the right team, being with the right engineers, with the right crew chief, with the right support, the right pro, uh, progress path. The right, you know, path forward. So it's you know one one wrong step. Look at Stefan Bradl this year. Wentz the forward forward uh, the forward boss gets uh, uh, gets arrested and it looks like he could be out of MotoGP next year. I mean, as you said, Tony, it was Valentino who said that uh, uh, Valentino and Mark. Uh, uh, I think Jorge was a little bit le- uh, less committal mm. about it, but yeah. Valentino and Mark were very clear. It seems to be, you know, the, 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 the people who come through Grand Prix, they think there's clearly a step, a progression from one bike to the next to the next. Whereas, you know, Cal Crutchlow, he says, no, you, 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 you make the jump. You've, you know, you've, you've been on Moto3, you've been in 125, Danny Kent's ridden a 125, well, proper prototype bikes, you know how prototypes work. Yeah. It's, just, it's just adapting. How much really would riding a Moto2 bike prepare you for riding uh, a MotoGP missile. Well, I think this is one of the things which is really difficult to say. Yeah, yeah. I think one of the one of the clear advantages of going to Moto two, Moto two is that next year Danny, on a Calyx, you would imagine, could fight for podiums. Yeah, uh, he was saying earlier uh, that 
Uh, last year, you know, he kind of fought, battled with Alex Rins plenty of times. Look what Alex Rins is doing this year. He's won a race. He's stood in the podium several times. I think he's had two pole positions. Um, and I think that in itself is, is, is really valuable experience, mixing it right at the front of, of a class, you know, rather than, you know, to look at Ian Oni, you know, um, who was in Moto2. It's like only in his third year of MotoGP after being in Pramac Racing uh, for two years that he's kind of, you know, challenged for, challenging for podiums occasionally. Um, if Kent did make that jump, you're looking at, you know, realistically like three years before he's even thinking about challenging for podium places. Um, and I think, you know, going straight into Moto2 and having that ability to be up there straight away, um, that is, that's a benefit, definitely. I suppose one thing we shouldn't forget, of course, is Danny has actually ridden a Moto2 bike before. It yeah. was obviously not a great season, but he mm-hmm. has done it and he's got, he's ridden a bigger bike, more weight. So it's completely different to the Jack Miller scenario. Yeah. yeah, where he where he's having to, yeah, I mean, that potentially was, more prepared for this than than Jack would have been. Exactly, but that, that that's the other thing. What Carl said about Jack was, you know, he's actually had a quite a good season. If you compare him to the other bike, uh, other riders on the same bike, uh, you know, he's competing with Nicky Hayden, world champion Nicky Hayden. He's competing with Eugene Laverty. Okay, Eugene is a um, uh, is also a rookie, yeah. uh, but he's Multiple. got a lot more explore, a lot more experience on a larger, on a bigger bike. Multiple race winner in world superbike. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Exactly, and when it, um, at the end of last year, Nakamoto came out and spoke to the press. He was asked about what he expected of Miller this year. And he said, if Miller is scoring points occasionally, he'll be happy. So if you put it into that kind of perspective, that this is like a completely you know, learning year, um, you know, I think I think Miller has definitely shown flashes of potential. Yeah. Right, there is some racing on here as well. Um, so can I have your podium predictions, please? Well, I'll tell you what, we'll have um, winners in Moto2 and Moto3 and uh, podium in MotoGP. Okay, right. So Moto two, I'm going to choose Tito Rabat because uh, just basically going off his performance at Silverstone last year, where I think there was a few races where Mika Kali would pull back some ground in him, and he, I think Silverstone was the first race of of last year where he thought that was a champion's ride. He, I think he had some uh, some misfortune early in the race. He reeled in Kali um, in the closing stages, held off a, a late Vinales charge. And took a really good, uh, a really great race win. So I think Tito might just edge his arc over this weekend. Moto three. Uh, I'm going to go for Jorge Navarro just because I'm trying to say something a bit different. And <laughs> he's he's been so impressive. In, in, in he has last, been impressive in he the last been. like couple of races. He's been on the cusp of getting his first podium. Um, and as we saw last time out, um, you don't need to have scored a podium to just go straight in and win it, uh, as, as Nick Wantanelli showed. So I, I kind of fancy a bit of a wild card result. Uh, big, a big battle for the win, and I fancy Jorge um, Navarro getting his first win. Okay. Moto2 and Moto3? Moto3, I am going to be boring and say Danny Kent. S- solid shout. A solid shout. Uh, for obvious reasons. Mm. Uh, for Moto2... My heart says Sam Lowe's, but my head says Zarco. Uh, he's in imperious form at the moment, and he looks fairly untouchable in that class. So uh, that's where my money would go. Uh, I, I would I would agree with that. I think uh, Danny mm. Kent, um, he's going to try and break away, obviously, because that's what he does. He was saying he was comparing the track to Austin, yeah. saying it's the same sort of thing, same sort of mix of corners. Um, he's going to try and break away. It's going to be difficult with the wind here. Uh, so it'll either be Danny Kent by 
10 minutes or it will be Danny Kent uh, or it will be a very close battle and in which case his only priority is to stay ahead of Bastianini. Yes. Uh, which is simple. Uh, Moto 2, I mean, I have to agree, Zarco, uh, the way Zarco is riding at the moment, he's just, he's, he's just really hard to beat. The most interesting question to me is, um, Lowe's is good when the grip is low. Uh, the speed up doesn't work when, when there's a lot of grip. So, uh, Silverstone, it could well be, it could be well as, well be his weekend. MotoGP, I think uh, I am going to stick my neck out. I think it's, I mean, I can't see anyone beating Jorge Lorenzo. Um, he's just too fast around here, um, and it just the, the, the track just suits him. I think uh, Valentino Rossi is going to keep it uh, uh, interesting by taking second, and I really think that Hondas are going to struggle around here, and I'm not entirely convinced that Marquez will actually get on the podium. I think it's either going to be the Ducati. Dovicioso is due for a good race. He had a really good race here last year. Yeah, it was in, in the yeah podium fight all race long. Yeah. And I outside shout Bradley Smith. I would not. You're beautiful. I would not be. <laughs> <laughs> I would not be surprised. But it will be. Um, it, it's a really really big ask. Yeah, um, I would be inclined to agree with you with uh, about Lorenzo. Um, there's certain parts of certain tracks, Magello being one of them, Sector 2 in Magello, where you just think that is made specifically for Jorge Lorenzo style. And I think it's the same sort of thing when you think of turns one and then the maggot back, it's complex. Yeah, so swooping, like, right, like fast changes of direction. The way that Yamaha Yama handles this weekend, I think it's going to be really difficult to beat Jorge. As for the rest of the podium, I'm not so sure. I, I still think Marquez will be up there. Uh, I think Rossi will be there. And I could see both Ducati's actually challenging. Rossi and Marcus for the podium. I think, um, as you said last year, the Vizioso had one of the strongest races of the year. I think it was maybe the first time in dry conditions where he pushed for a podium place right up until the last lap. I think he finished less than a second off Rossi in third. He finished fifth in the end. And Ian only the way he's riding this year, I mean, you know, the guy is just riding phenomenally well. Yeah, you just know um, there's a podium coming. There's a podium coming and he's, a, you know, he's going to be testing that new, that new engine or that updated engine this weekend again, mm. uh, which has a lot of extra speed. Silverstone's a fast track. I think that could work in his favour. I'm going to make it a clean sweep of votes for Lorenzo. Clearly, it's a track that he loves, uh, and he goes well here. Uh, as for the other two places, um, I don't think Rossi will podium. I'm going to stick my neck out That here really is a brave. There. That's a, that's a, a really brave. 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 <laughs> He's, he, he did last year, but he had to be he was pushed hard by. Dovi all the way on obviously the troublesome GP fourteen. So I would I'm going to go for Marquez to finish second, and I'm going to go for Ian None to take a podium. I think it's best that you uh, you hide yourself away from all the, the Rossi fans in the panic yes. for, for the rest of this weekend and the Tommy Bradwell fans. Keep a very <laughs> keep a very low profile. <laughs> right. Uh, and just before we finish, I think it's worth mentioning that uh, it was announced that Wangarita has recently passed away uh, today. He um, he had a, a motorcycle incident on Monday night, um, I think close to his home, and has since uh, passed away from the injuries. Um, sad news, a guy who was a phenomenal 250 rider and actually a very handy uh, 500 rider as well. Um, and yeah, very sad. So our condolences with, uh, with his family and absolutely. friends. Yeah, absolutely. 
Right, well, thank you very much, boys. That was uh, the Paddock Pass podcast for uh, Silverstone, and see you next time.